Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Big talk, big opinions. The panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Nigel Yeldon uh, with us this morning. As I said, to have been to many, many big sporting occasions. Aidan McLaughlin as well, but not very often uh, here in Napier. They happen in your own backyard, Aidan. So you were fortunate enough to be able to pop uh, across uh, the Clive Bridge to witness what you thought would be a great uh, game of rugby league and a great occasion. And for the most part, it was, but for the smaller part, it was ruined. Yeah, good morning to you, Smithy, and good morning to you, Nigel. Um, I'm just, <clears throat> frankly, angry and frustrated that we're having to talk about things like this on Monday morning when, as you say, we should be talking about a great occasion, um, one of the almost great comebacks, um, and here we are talking about a, a, a small group of mindless idiots who um, have now got the headlines out of all this. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I arrived at the ground very early on on Saturday. Nigel would have been proud of me. It was a full three hours early. Um, I made my way around my usual park, and there were people there 90 minutes before the ground opened. They were just waiting outside the ground. They couldn't wait to get in. The doors opened at 6 o'clock and people streamed through, you know. They wanted to get their merchandise. They wanted to get their food. They wanted to get their drinks. They wanted to soak up the atmosphere. And everything was so positive. It really was. And then what happened? We saw what happened. Um, there was kind of, you know, a shake of the head when the first uh, pitch invasion happened. But then as it repeated itself, it became monotonous and it was extremely frustrating, and um, yeah, it, it's such a shame that it's taken away from a, an awesome event. And we're hearing, um, if the text is uh, absolutely on the money, that, that all they got was a trespass notice, no financial uh, fine, nothing else apart from the fact that you were naughty, um, you're not supposed to be on there, here's a notice, don't do it again, um, regardless of the ramifications in between, like the thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars perhaps of the possibility of them coming back all that money going into the community, which sorely needs it. Nigel, um, I don't suppose you, you saw too much of that, Nigel, but uh, to be honest, you've been oh, to a I lot did. of sport. and uh, Well, you've been to a hell of a lot of sport, a truckload of sport. You've yeah. pulled a lot of tr uh, top sport. It's bloody frustrating. Yeah. Oh, what, I'm, what I'm glad to hear, though, is I'm here, glad to hear them being referred to by the proper term because there's a lot of stuff floating around. Oh, streakers. They weren't streakers. They were pitch invaders. It was great to hear Cameron George call them that. It was great to hear Tohu Harris talk about that as well. You talk about the, the loss of, of revenue possibly for Hawke's Bay if events won't come back because of what happened. Let's think about the other thing too. Those pitch invaders directly impacted that game. It had to stop, then restart, stop and restart. The Warriors had a really nice flow on. Now, I'm not saying they're going, we're going to win that game, but what that did was it impacted that particular sporting outcome. Now, come the end of the season, and, and you know we don't know what is going to happen, but could we be looking back on that going, hey, look, the, the impact of the stop-start nature of that second half, um, and, and again, coach and captain spoke to it. Adam Reynolds spoke to it as well from the Broncos' side of things. He said his side didn't react well to it. Well, his side shouldn't have had to react to it because it shouldn't have happened. 
I'm actually pleased, as odd as it sounds, trying to look for some positive out of this, that it is being referred to in the right way and that the impact on the sport is actually being held up and saying, hey, this had a big impact on that particular game. Because, look, Smitty, right now, how would you react if, you know, 12 people just sporadically every five minutes started barging into your studio? It would bug the living snot out of you. Well, I think that's what the all players from both sides were feeling. And I think the majority of the fans were feeling the same because it just took away and it also had a direct impact, in my opinion, on the outcome of that particular game. Yeah, well, I, I echo uh, both of your thoughts on that. Um, I was lucky enough to be in the, the Holy of Holies. Um, uh, somehow managed to, to get uh, and to be a beneficiary of uh, Cameron George's uh, great hospitality in there, and uh, who had a great view of it. And I can tell you right here and now, his his mood changed. He was he was ebullient about the fact that um, you know the lines of people outside were waiting to see his team. He was thrilled to the playing surface. It was an absolute carpet. Um, everything was just, the ground looked absolutely immaculate and when it was full it just looked so special and um, by with about 10 minutes to go you could see visibly his mood change along with uh, Andrew McFadden along with the ambassadors who uh, they trucked in um, to, to Hawke's Bay as well all totally frustrated uh, men and women I can promise you that right uh, I think we've covered that um, Let's uh, look at um, Nigel Yeldon. Will Jordan signing till 227. Great news. Yeah, great news. And yet another good get. And when you look at the, the players that have been re-signed by New Zealand Rugby, either through to the end of sort of 2025 or, or beyond, you know, it, it looks like there's a really good, nice core that Scott Robinson is going to be able to build around. Um, and, and, you know, good youth as well. Well, Jordan is not a, a, an old man by any stretch of the imagination. There's some really good youth, but there's also good experience in there as well. I think when you look at the, the totality of it, though, Smithy, it's going to be quite interesting because where there appears to be... Like, when, when you build a rugby team, obviously your you're 9-10 is quite a significant combination. And right now, that's the only area when I look at where New Zealand probably has got some question marks. It'll be a, a big question that Scott Robertson is going to need to answer when he takes over the All Blacks at the start of 2024. Obviously, they have a full Super Rugby campaign to have a look at there. But just in terms of the totality of the signings, um, it, it looks as though there's been some very good work being done here by New Zealand Rugby and making sure that there is uh, a very good crop, a good base, and a solid spread across the positions as well for Scott Robertson to start his tenure with. Super Rugby Weekend, uh, over a lot of, um, of action I thought was quite intriguing, but I, I've seldom, uh, Aidan, in my lifetime watching rugby, uh, seen an individual um, dominate a game such as uh, Mark Talia did every single time he was involved in play. He was, and I mean, in very difficult uh, conditions for, for, for an outside back, weren't they, Smithy? But... Um, yeah, I mean, he's been showing now for a couple of seasons just the, the quality that he possesses, and he's obviously made his, his all-black breakthrough as well. But um, uh, I thought it was a really entertaining weekend of Super Rugby, to be honest with you. It was um, points everywhere, wasn't there? And that, that game between the, the Drua and uh, Moana Pacifica, what, a, what an absolute barnstormer that was. But, um, yeah, across the board, Maitalea, a great example of uh, someone who's in, in good form. Um, but, yeah, just a, just a really enjoyable weekend, full stop of Super Rugby. 
Yeah, I think it's undeniable as form. We'll come back and get your um, impressions too on uh, Super Rugby, uh, Nigel, after we take a short news break here with Aroha, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Nigel Yeldon with us this morning. Aidan McLaughlin as well. And uh, Nigel Yeldon, before we get on to uh, the netball, which was thrilling as well, um, uh, I think quite a good advertisement for Super Rugby over the weekend. We've been a bit critical of uh, stop-start nature, etc., but uh, plenty of points, plenty of action, and I think a, a, a nice feel about it. Yeah, it was. Um, I thought there was some really nice rugby played. I, I think also as well from, you know, uh, we're heading to see teams who sort of, got themselves sort of into good positions and then had to dig themselves out. Like, you look at the Crusaders, that was a dominant one over the Waratahs, but with about five minutes to go, their, their bonus point got taken away from them, but they were able to come down, gather themselves, get another try to make sure that they earned that particular bonus point, which are, and bonus points are going to be very key when you look at you know, a little bit of the upshot, more so down the bottom of the Super Rugby table for this coming weekend's action. But, you know, we saw, was it, four tries in the last nine minutes in, in Auckland, where it looked as though the Blues had it in, in the bag. Try Hurricanes, Blues struck back. Hurricanes struck again. We thought, here comes a grandstand finish. But there, there's a few things I'm sure the coaches will be looking at. You know, base skill execution, when you do score, make sure you regather. You know, when the restart, don't make simple errors so so uh, um, so soon after. I'm sure Clark Dermot will be just looking at some basic skill execution, which threatened to undermine his team, who defended outstandingly, and that's what kept them in that game. And then, look, I, I don't have to tell you, Smithy and Aiden, about how good Flaufakatava is. If you give him a little bit of a sniff, he'll, he'll take it. Wonderful way to, to end that particular game. But, you know, highly entertaining, and you're right. The, the, the competition needs it. It sets up a cracking final round in terms of uh, top four, but more so, who, who takes those bottom two spots? Um, so good little bit of excitement needed, bit of juice heading into the final week of the regular season. Rightio, uh, let's get on to um, the netball, Nigel. Um, we'll stay with you because we're going to have a, a, a northern final. Um, and, uh, of course, um, Yvette uh, McCausland-Dury signs off um, on a very brave performance and a pretty good tenure, I, I think, down there in the capital. Uh, what did you make of uh, that performance of uh, Yvette, of course, as well, and, and the prospects coming uh, this weekend? Well, one, Evie McCausen Jury is just absolute class on the court, off the court, any interactions. She's got a, a very challenging new role coming up with regards to the education system, but um, just what, what a wonderful choice uh, for her. Um, and she will be magnificent in that particular role as well. Yeah, look, very impressive. She's a, a wonderful coach. You get to see it, you get to hear it with the way that it's covered via Sky Sport. Um, but I, what I like about her is her calm. She is very real. Um, there's, there's no ears and graces about her. Um, and I, look, I'm disappointed because personally, I thought a Mystics Pulse final has a little bit more intrigue for me. I, I think that a Kelly Jury has, you know, is the best defender in New Zealand, goalkeeper in New Zealand at the moment. So to match her up against Grayson Wiki, I think that, that would have been a nice little battle. I think the Stars can push the Mystics, um, and, and they deserve to be there. Great little push in that third quarter, which they, they got their nose in front. And the, and the Stars are a really good front-running side, Smithy. I just have a funny feeling, though, that that Mystics have just got a little something extra on the Stars, and I think the Pulse would have been a better matchup. But, look, it's 
as you say, it's an all Auckland matchup, and where else do you want to play that but in Hamilton? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what hope in the home court advantage when we were talking about uh, that? But uh, anyway, um, it's interesting. I was just talking to Justin Nelson about it in terms of uh, the sales NBL. Um, all top six, uh, all the playoffs will be at one venue. Um, uh, Aiden, which I, I think we've got to at some point um, address. I know it's a financial thing, but um, when you look at the NBA, when you look at this, uh, the benefit of having a home court, you think to yourself, well, what do we actually play for here? A neutral venue? Um, after all our, you know, uh, all our good play to, to finish top in the round robin or close to top, uh, all we get is a trip away? Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, I can see from a, from a supporter's uh, point of view, there's nothing more I'd like than to <coughs> be able to book a weekend away um, and the knowledge that uh, the Hawks were going to be a, in a final series. Um, but the reality is I, I just can't do that, you know, and my family can't do that. So um, when that sort of uh, format is in place, it does make it quite restrictive for, for many, many supporters. I do understand the league's logic at the moment. You know, the league is growing. It's growing very nicely. Um, and they need a bit of just a period of just, you know, just to keep things ticking over. And I like to think in the, in the next few years, maybe we can move past that model and we can look at um, a home advantage uh, series. But, um, but I think that the reality is that the cost of travel at the moment, um, the way that the league just has to manage their expenses and the clubs have to manage their expenses. It's just the way it is. And we just have to we just have to acknowledge that. But um, hopefully it changes in years to come. Well, speaking of away play. Yeah, yes, yes, going Nigel. It has been this way for a while. The, the NBL has done a top four, or in this case, it's now a top six format at the one venue. This isn't something which they haven't just sprung upon the league. This is something. Gee, I remember watching this in the late 80s, early 80s as well. You had semifinals on a Friday night, final on a Saturday night. It, it's not something that's been sprung on the league. I, I thought it was a little bit of their tradition. Um, yeah, I understand the home and away side of it, but um, I also kind of like the tradition of getting them all in one place. And, and I know it makes for an outstanding, mm. an outstanding sort of three, four days worth of basketball. So, you know, it, maybe they do move away from it. But I kind of like the tradition that, that the NBL has got with the playoff format and having it at the one location. So, um, you happy with the netball, the two Auckland teams playing in uh, Hamilton at Globox? Look, again, they've done the same thing. They have set up the fact that that was where the grand final was going to be. Um, with the way the Magic started, there was always a, a, a highly unlikely possibility of the home side being there. Again, you've got to set it. You've got to be able to get your venues. And I think that's really, Smithy, what a lot of this comes down to is you've got to get your venue locked in so far in advance. Um, and I think that's something facing a lot of organisations. You know, Spark was out of the mix. That's why the NBL has moved out to the Trust Stadium. Um, so, look, there, there's lots of factors involved. Look, is it perfect? No, of course it's not. But netball fans, again, have had time to be able to set the same way with basketball fans. They can set their travel plans if they want to. And, look, even if your team doesn't make it, I know for a fact it's still going to be an outstanding weekend in Hamilton for the netball and definitely up in Auckland for those basketball finals. Right, uh, I can tell you in the latest uh, PGA event, it has been won by Emiliano Grillo from uh, Argentina and a playoff um, over Adam Schenk. Uh, the good news for New Zealand golf fans, of course, is that uh, Ryan Fox had uh, a finish where he uh, tied 21 
Aidan McLaughlin, a nice little check, but uh, also more experience, and he's knocking on the door. More experience, more ranking points, Smithy. Another good, consistent week for him. Um, I think he was plus two today, uh, which, as you say, got him just outside the top 20. So, you know, another shot or two better off today, and he's, he's comfortably in that top 20, pushing for a top 10 spot. So his game's in good shape. He, you know, he's struggled with his health recently. Um, he had a new arrival into the family. So when you build all those things in, he's in a fine vein of form. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're not even halfway through the year. We're barely halfway through the year. And just a lot of exciting opportunities coming up for him. Um, he's really establishing himself in the world of majors now. Um, it's not uh, it's not a treat to see him in a major now. It's, a, it's an expectation. And um, I'm just really excited about what the rest of the year holds for him. Really good story this, Nigel, the, the, the Ryan Fox one. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great story. And, you know, he's taking his opportunities, um, qualifying for those majors. Now he's got that um, exemption to the PGA Tour. And it, it, it's the consistency, as, as you've alluded to there. So, you know, top 25 Masters, I think just outside top 25 PGA, it, it's the two, two majors. Now he comes here, top 21, uh, inside again, top 25 on a, on a PGA Tour event, he had good results leading in, so he's right on the edge, and as Aiden alludes to, you know, a couple of, you know, shooting sort of under par on the final day, and all of a sudden he's up, we're talking top 15, top 10s. By the way, can we can we also just get a bit of love for young Daniel Hillier, the 24-year-old out of Wellington, tied for fifth at the KLM Open on the DP World Tour. Nice little bank, he earns about 120000 New Zealand, more importantly, Smithy, he jumps from about 140-odd in the, the money list up to just outside the top 100. So a big boost to Daniel's chances of trying to keep his card. Of course, this is his rookie year, but he's another wonderful talent. And this is what I'm loving about New Zealand golf, Smithy, at the moment. As you look at the tours, you've got Lydia on the LPGA, Steve Elker on the seniors, Dan Hillier, the, you know, Trying to, trying to get his thing going on the DP World Tour. We know Ryan also plays there too, but currently he's doing work on the PGA Tour. New Zealand golf's in a really good spot at the moment at the top level, and you know as well, Smithy, there's some really good young talent coming through sort of the amateur ranks as well. I think it's uh, terrific. I really do. Um, and as you say, um, we've, we've got contenders every time they line up. Um, yeah. Thank you, Nigel, for your input this morning, and... Uh, your honesty over the, the invading situation. As to you, uh, Aidan, I uh, hope uh, you can get on with business as a Hawke's Bay resident uh, over the next uh, few days and we can get it out of our system. But unfortunately, I think in terms of the future, uh, they've damned it. It's as simple as that.